Well, good morning, everyone. We're, uh, if there's anyone out in the hall, we'll bring them in. And we're starting late because we knew there'd be people coming in from the snow. I want to congratulate you guys for making it out in the snow. Yeah. You made it. Had to get up early enough to shovel the berm, though. This is the first snow with a berm, I think, for the year. And, uh, and they were wet, heavy, wet and heavy. Amen. And let's go ahead and turn these off and maybe turn the, the colored lights on and we get some light. That'd be nice. Thank you. All right. And we're, you know, I, I'm not going to make you move, but if you want to sit close to the other, you can, of course. So we're, let's, let's spend a, a couple moments in prayer, and, and uh, when I say that, let's, let's pray, and we're going to open up for some popcorn prayer. If, uh, let's just spend a couple minutes here. At the, uh, we don't always do this here, um, but just pray. So if there's something you want to pray for, just pray out, and, and um, you're at home. If you're watching, I invite you to be praying with us, yeah, you know, pray in the Spirit, and uh, let's just spend a few minutes. So again, if you've got something to pray, just pray. Just lift up your voice a little bit louder, and so we can hear you. And uh, let's just spend a few minutes here in prayer before we get into time of worship. Thank you. so dry for so long just thank you that you're bringing the rain, bringing the snow thank you Lord would you pray for the travelers who go out there to work it's, it's pretty rough and would you pray for them Lord thank you that we have this church thank you for our pastor just pray that you would bless him bless the worship bless our time Lord just want to also just thank you, God. Thank you for all you've given us. Thank you for this beautiful day. Um, as uh, difficult as it was getting up here, uh, I just, I am in awe of the beauty. 
and in, in all of the love that I feel here and the peace that's uh, just been sitting with me for quite a few weeks now. And uh, I just don't know what's going on, and I know it's you, and I praise you. Thank you. Father, as we enter into a, a time of worship, I'm going to pray the words of the first song that we're going to sing. God, that you would open my eyes. Open our eyes. Father, open our eyes in the spiritual realm. Help us to see uh, your glory. God, help us to see what you're doing. Help us to be aware and see what you want to do. God, I pray that you'd open our ears. Lord, that um, we could hear you. We'd, we'd hear your direction. Uh, we'd hear you when you're leading us into your will. Father, you, you, we'd just hear you. We'd hear you when you're trying to tell us that you love us, God, that you care for us, Lord. Um, we'd hear you. We'd hear your Holy Spirit when you're uh, telling us not to, to do something or not to go and be involved in something. Lord, help us to hear you. Open our ears, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would open our heart. Um, God, that we would uh, feel for the things the way you feel, Lord. Let our, let our hearts beat the same, God, um, that we would, the things that are on your heart would be the things that would be on our heart, Lord, and then we pray that you would fill us, fill us with your spirit, fill us with your strength, fill us with your love, Lord, uh, fill us with uh, your, your life so that we could then be poured out onto this world, into this world, Lord, and make a difference. Lord, this world is gone crazy. And they need you. And, Father, we, as we go, we bring you with us, uh, in us, wherever we go. So, Lord, fill us so that we can pour out your life, your love, your hope uh, to this, this world that is desperately, desperately seeking um, fulfillment, seeking happiness, seeking something, and they're looking in all the wrong places. So overflow, overflow in us, Lord. Let our lives be so close to yours that... We would, we would see you and hear you and, and our heart would beat with yours and you would fill us up and then we would overflow into this world, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.
thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. failures bring your addictions come lay them down at the foot of the cross jesus is waiting there with open arms see his open arms for god so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us whoever believes in him will live So love the world. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him for the wonders of His love. Praise God, praise God for the blessings says that we didn't love him first, that he loved us. He called us out of the darkness. 
his great love for us, the Bible says that he left. We'd leave the 99 and go after the one. Shadow, you won't light up. 
mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. we thank you so much for your love, God, and we, we sing that song, and, and we just know that the way you love us, God, seems so reckless to us, God, that you did love us when we were unlovable and far away from you and really had nothing in us desiring you, God. You called us from the darkness. God, you saw, you saw us in the image of God because that's how you created us even when we walked away from that. Father, we thank you that, that each of us in here has a story of how you pulled us out of darkness, how you've walked with us in the, in the tough times, how you've walked with us after becoming a Christian, but maybe when we've turned our back on you for a time, God, and you came after us, came after one of us, your little sheep, God, loving us and caring for us and calling us out of that mud and the mire, Father. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. I pray right now at, throughout this, this sanctuary this morning, God, uh, those watching online, God, that you would begin to stir up in our memories, God, how you've loved us. God, begin to help us to recount even right this moment of a time or the multiple times, God, that you showed your love and you cared for us and you, you sent uh, somebody to come and, and share love or share the, the gospel with us, God, or, or that you sent a miracle, whatever it might have looked like, Lord, help us right now to remember those times, God. Cause us, cause us to remember and recall those times often that we might remember how good you are, Father. That we would sing of those deeds that you've done. Help us to count those things, number them one by one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is there something stirring in somebody's heart right now of something that, that, that God has done in your life that you would like to come and, and share? It doesn't have to be this week, but just a testimony of how God 
showed you his reckless love at a time in your life and want to come and share just a, a minute or two of, of something that God has done recently or even a long time ago that might encourage the rest of the body. She put you on, on the spot a little bit, but I want to give an opportunity for a testimony this morning. We can give him the orange mic. Good morning. God is amazing. Um, this past week, I have been uh, struggling to know what God's saying. I want to hear God. I want to know what he's saying to me. I want to know everything he's got for me. And last night, in the middle of the night, God says, you don't have to know everything. You just have to trust me. And, and that was the word that he gave me is trust with all of your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. My understanding doesn't cover anything. And so it was acknowledge him in all of his ways. And he'll make my path straight. And, and you know, this is our song today. This is our, our time together. And it was amazing. God is good. Amen. I do. Okay. I was telling Shannon this morning. Um, uh, as many, many of you know, my husband passed away um, three years ago. So, uh, and it was around Christmas time, so I, I have a hard time at Christmas. And I, um, I got mad at God. <laughs> Not mad at him, but... I said, why? why? Why do you have, why can't you give me that peace all the time? I get the peace. I do. I have, I have felt the Holy Spirit. It is amazing, and I, I can't explain it. The first time it ever happened when I was just so distraught over other issues, and um, so this time I was in my garage just looking at Christmas stuff, and why? Why do you make it fleeting? Why can't it be? It needs to stay. It needs to stay. Why does it? I feel great, and it lasts a while, and then, and so that day went on, and then um, I came up two weeks ago. I came up here, and and I was feeling good. I was feeling good, and, and not until yesterday, talking to my sister on the way up here, because uh, she just lost her husband in August, so I, you know trying to give her as much comfort as I can. But I just uh, realized, I said, oh my goodness, Virginia, I've been, um, I've been at peace for about three weeks. <laughs> and I didn't put it together. I did not. And it isn't the overwhelming yay, you know, like you get at that moment when the Holy Spirit comes, but it's just settled. It's just like I, I can talk to... Um, my, you know, Greg, I can talk to my husband now and just know, okay, I know you're there instead of going, oh, I know you're there. You know, and um, it's just amazing. And it is God. And I didn't even hit it until we were in practice. It didn't occur to me, but during singing it right now, it's like, I, I'm one of, one of the 99. Why, why me? You know, I don't deserve that. But uh, anyway, that's it. So God is there. Amen.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you made it out in the storm. I'm so proud of you. Was there anybody else that wanted to share before I just cut that off? Okay, we're good. All right. Um, well, just a couple announcements for you guys. One is that next week we have Dave Ogren. And I had to ask Pastor Rob because I can it's a, it's a mouthful. It's Great Commission Media Ministries. It's the, the ministry that he's a part of. He's going to be joining us next week. So if you guys want to invite friends, encourage you to bring as many people as you can. Let's come hear about what's going on in the world with his ministry. And um, we support him. And so uh, let's come and hear him out. Amen. Um, and then the next announcement is just that we have our membership meeting that's going to be the end of February. So that last Sunday, even if you're not a member, you are welcome to come. We talk about the different ministries and budget and that kind of stuff and just kind of our goals for this upcoming year. So I encourage you guys to come out, and especially if you are a member, we need you there so we can have a quorum. <laughs> um, anyways, I think that's all the announcements that I have, and so I'm just going to continue our time of worship and by receiving our tithes and our offerings. And I was just thinking as we were in worship, you know, with our tithes, God asks us to give 10% of what our income is. And I think, man, that's so measly in comparison to the 100% of what he gave to us, right? All of his spiritual being, his, his physical body, everything that he took upon himself when he made that sacrifice on the cross for us. And that 10%, that income, isn't just money that we give, but it feeds into the ministry here at the Journey Church of what we're doing with different ministries like the Great Commission Media Ministry or other um, things that we have going out in the world, different ministries that we have and missionaries that we have. And so I just encourage us to remember that, that when we're giving that 10%, that God gave us 100, and why wouldn't we want to give that back to him? Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you gave it all for us, God, that you saw each and every one of our faces in your mind as you took the weight of our sin upon that cross that day, Lord. And so help us to, to live a life that wants to tell the world about that, that wants to tell the world about the freedom that you give because you love us. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you chase after us each and every day, God, and that we could have those sweet moments of just knowing who you are. Lord, I pray for each person in this room, God, that you would help us to continue to grow closer to you, to know that you're not just some big crazy God in the sky, but God, you want intimate moments with your children that you've created. Father, help us to, to reach the lost. Help us to fill these chairs each and every week, and I know there's weather this week, but God, help us to, to start expanding where we would just be bursting at the seams and people just want to know you because they're hungry for you, God. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much and we thank you for um, just this home that we get to call the Journey Church. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
You guys are awesome for coming out today. Amen. And then we had a crew showing up early this morning to shovel out. Thank you, Tyler, Steve, all those who are ready to come. It is nice to not slip and fall. Amen. You guys are looking very serious this morning. <laughs> hey, we are uh, continuing our journey this morning um, through the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you got your Bible, grab your Bible. If uh, you want a Bible, you can grab one in the back uh, on the sound booth there. And then we've got something, of course, you can do it on your phone. Uh, but we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 17 this morning. And as we do that, let's, let's uh, continue and, and go to a word of prayer for the Word. Heavenly Father, we want to ask, I want to ask, God, that you would bless this time in the Word today. God, that you would uh, challenge us and encourage us. Father, help us to uh, understand what you want to say to us this morning. Father, for those listening online now, for those who uh, listen at a later date, that you would just uh, meet, meet them, meet us all where we're at, and help us to uh, be able to apply this word to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This next section that we're in in, in uh, Corinthians deals with a subject that is important to all of us as believers, and that's knowing the will of God and knowing how to make decisions. And that is something that every Christian has uh, prayed about and asked and wondered about. How do I know the will of God? How do I find the will of God? How do I make decisions? We all make decisions every single day and, and often ask when we make those decisions, is this God's will for me? How do I know that? What's, what's God, what is God's will? Does the Bible address the issue that I'm going through? Um, this section gives us some understanding and wisdom for making decisions as we go into this. So I want to read this section uh, together. Um, it is kind of long, um, but, but in case you didn't get your Bible reading in today, you'll get a, a big section here, starting at verse 17 all the way to 18, reading out of the uh, ESV. All right. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all of the churches, Paul says. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Don't be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. It's a great verse to have outlined, underlined in your Bible. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, or your version might say virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that." 
This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. So from now on, let those who have wives live as they, as they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as those, though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anything, anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It's no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his, his betrothed does well, and he refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think I too have the Spirit of God. I think there was a couple of women who said, Amen. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, so this is a long, long section. It's dealing with a few things, and we're, we're going to kind of fly by because there is so much in here. Um, but there, there is uh, talking about um, whether or not you should marry and, and how you should act and how to do things um, even as a, as a bondservant. And so we're going to kind of focus in on that a little bit this morning of, of, of how to know what we should do and, and the decisions we make and, and whether or not we need to change the things that we're doing. There's a transition right here in 17 between verses 16 and 17. Uh, that we miss a little bit, but it's, it's important to remember the way the original Bible came to be. Uh, when each book or when each letter was written originally, there were no section breaks. And so we have this break here in, in our Bible, some of your versions at least do. Um, but uh, there were no, there wasn't even chapter and verses originally when they wrote them, and there weren't any section breaks here in, in this book. This is a letter written by Paul, and so sometimes these breaks happen, and it throws us off a little bit. Um, the editors of the ESV started this section with, live as you are called, which is good, but we don't want to totally separate it from the verses before. Uh, we don't want to separate it uh, completely. So we're going to go back to verse 15. When, if, you, if you go back to 15, it's talking about an unbelieving partner who wants to leave their marriage, an unbeliever who is married to a believer. And Paul actually tells the believing spouse that if that's the case, it's okay to let the unbelieving spouse go. And, and this is really an interesting thing. Um, so Paul is saying that a brother or sister is not under bondage. They can't make their spouse stay with them. And he says, we want to live in peace. So he's talking to Christians, believers, and he says, but if you have a, an unbelieving spouse and they want to leave, let them go. Before that, we read that, that but if, if they want to stay, then you need to stay because as a believer, you may be able to bring salvation to them. 
Verse 16 says, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Um, and then that's when it comes into verse 17. It says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. So Paul begins a section um, where we can learn that we, we shouldn't just leave the situation that we're in um, because we think that the other side is going to be better. Uh, sometimes we, we, we look at life and, and sometimes in marriage or other places we think it would just be better if I changed my situation. I could serve God better. I could be in a better position. Sometimes we even maybe have spiritual reasons that we could be closer to God. We could be more holy if we change our situation. And we're about to get some insight into to how to make some decisions like that and whether or not that's true. And he, and he starts us off with saying, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And your versions, some of your versions out there really make it clear that says, wherever you're at, stay there. Whatever's happening in your life, stay there. And I'd say until God moves you. Um, so some background, some more background. We've got to keep doing that as we go through the book of Corinthians. Um, people were coming to faith here in Corinth. And as they came to Christ, the church was growing, and Paul is writing to this new, uh, relatively young church at Corinth, and mostly made up of, of non-Jewish or Gentile believers. So these Gentile believers, they find Christ, and they begin to wonder whether they need to change their situation uh, in life in order to serve the Lord, in order to be used by God. Some of the believers believe that they could serve God better if they were single. They came to faith, they were married, and they're like, you know, I think I could do better for the kingdom if I was single. It's a, it's a thought that we still have today. Some people go, you know, I just feel like my spouse is holding me back. Others believe that they, could, uh, they should be circumcised in order to serve God, as we read in that a second ago. And it's really not that dissimilar from believers today. Um, sometimes when a person comes to Christ... He, when their lives are, are totally changed by God, they feel, they feel forgiven. They understand that they're forgiven. They have this amazing sense of a new life in Christ. They, uh, um, they, they're walking in that forgiveness. They're walking in acceptance. Maybe for the first time, their life has been changed. I love to meet new believers who've had a radical encounter with God. And that happens. And of course, their thought is, I want to serve God with my whole life. I just want to give him everything. I think a lot of you probably had a situation similar to that. Um, when you first got saved, it just was so radical. You're like, I just want to serve God. Over the years, I've, uh, I've talked with a lot of people, I remember it um, from, from the early days of my salvation, and I was one of these people um, who they got saved and they started growing and they wanted to quit their job. Or they wanted to pick up and move so they could serve God. Um, they believed that the only way to serve God was to be in, in full-time paid ministry. And, and then, so they just began to go you know, radical in that. And they, I, I've got to leave what I'm doing and, and serve God. Um, they, some people felt like they had to join a ministry group or a ministry team like a, a New Life Drama Company or YWAM. Um, as as you know, even Madeline has done. And I want to say that is absolutely not true, that you have to leave your present condition and present position in order to serve God fully. Not that it's a bad thing to, to take a time in your life like Madeline has done and, 
and uh, go on a five-and-a-half-month discipleship training thing. Those can be wonderful opportunities and experiences, but you don't have to go into full-time ministry in order to serve God. You don't have to go and travel with a ministry team in order to serve God, but sometimes we feel like we have to change something in our life in order to be effective, in order to serve God. And I want to tell you, that's just, it's a lie. It's not necessary. And Paul is stating the same thing. Whatever position you are in, whatever state, however God called you, the, the word is, in the Greek is peripateo, walk, live your life in that situation. That's okay. And, and he would say, well, you know, of course, if God calls you, do something different, follow him, but you don't have to change your situation in order to uh, serve God. Paul emphatically teaches that, that you don't need to be single to serve God. Uh, you don't need to be married to serve God. You definitely don't need to leave your spouse, and you should not, as a believer, leave your spouse in order to serve God more or to serve Him completely um, and wholeheartedly. We, we can serve God in whatever condition we're in right at the moment, and this is the beginning of this, this uh, passage here. Um, in, a, in the previous section, he made that statement about the unbelieving spouse wanting to leave and they should let him go. Listen, divorce is not God's plan. Is not His will for you or for me under any circumstances. Even when you have um, adultery, it's not God's will that that happened, and it's not God's will, His desire to get a divorce. Uh, Paul gives permission, Jesus gave permission to divorce because of adultery. He didn't say you have to. Uh, his de desire is to stay together um, one man, one woman for life. But you can't force somebody to make it work, can you? You, you, you just can't. Some of, some of you even in this room are, are maybe the, the victim of, of a divorce. And I say victim, you maybe didn't want the divorce, but maybe your spouse did. And so they divorced you. But I also want to say that you might be in the, in the position this morning that you were the one who instigated it, and you chose divorce. Maybe you, you were the one who did that. I want to tell you that there is grace for that, that whatever situation you're in currently, God will and can use you, and He wants you to serve Him right where you're at. So Sometimes the church is afraid to talk about things like divorce because we know that at, at any given Sunday, there's 50% of the people in the congregation who are a part of that statistic. And, and the pastor, uh, you know, most pastors, they, they don't want anybody to feel shame and guilt over something that's happened. So sometimes we don't talk about it at all. But if we don't talk about it, then we don't even give that opportunity for people to sit in forgiveness and grace of something that was done that wasn't God's plan, but they can't walk and receive the grace. There is always grace and forgiveness. And, and no matter what the situation is, He'll use you if you allow Him to. And you can serve Him where you're at. He talks about being a slave. Even if you are a slave, well, something happened for you to become a slave, and it's not always that you were taken as a slave. Sometimes it's because you made such bad decisions, financially you had to sell yourself into slavery just so you could survive. 
bad decisions can make set you up to become a slave. For us, uh, something that, that can happen, and I believe these scriptures would apply, is that you might find Christ or, or be a Christian in prison. And, and, well, I do know from every prisoner I've ever talked to that every prisoner is actually innocent. There are no guilty people in prison, and you find that out. But, um, you know, if you're in prison, you can serve Jesus. In fact, He wants you to not be dreaming of when you get out of prison so that you can serve Him. He wants you to serve Him right where you're at. Which means God, said, God looks at you and says, you made a bad choice, didn't you? You ended up in prison, but you've never been outside of my care and my love. And I want, you, I want to use you right where you're at. I want you to serve me right where you're at. Was anyone at the time of his call, verse 18, already circumcised? He begins to go on. And it says, this is, now this is a little bit of a sensitive area, but it wasn't for them because for the Jewish person, one of the requirements that the law had was that all the males needed to be circumcised at eight days. Jewish people still practice it today. And so the Gentiles who lived in Corinth knew that Christianity had started uh, um, and was primarily at the beginning, it was a Jewish religion. And that, I, I've said this a number of times, I want us to really get that as, as believers, that Christianity started as a part of Judaism. We, today, there's a lot of us who separate it. Well, there's, there's Judaism and there's Christianity. We actually think that Jesus was a Christian. Jesus was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. All of the, they were, the, Christianity started as a sect of Judaism. And it wasn't for a long time that it, it really kind of transformed over such a long time that it became more of a non-Jewish faith. But it started out there. And so the Gentiles at the beginning, they were beginning to come to Christ, getting saved. And they, all of the apostles, all these super people that they wanted to emulate that, were, that had started this whole Christian move, almost all of them were Jews. And so some of the Gentiles were thinking, well, maybe, maybe in order to serve God, maybe if we want to be like Paul, if we want to be like Peter, if we want to really make a difference, maybe we should be circumcised too. And Paul's saying, no, that's not how this works. You don't need to be circumcised if you are come to Christ and you were a Gentile. It'd be really natural for a, a Gentile believer to wonder and question that, whether you should follow the Jewish customs, including circumcision. But that's, but Paul is saying no. Um, if you weren't, Paul says, if you weren't circumcised when you came to Christ, don't seek circumcision. And I'm sure they're like, thank God. And then he goes on and says this, something a little strange here. It says, if you were circumcised when you found Christ, when you found faith, you became a Christian. Don't become uncircumcised. I'm not sure why Paul exactly says that. I'm not sure how that would work. Um, but but so he's just saying you don't have to uh, be circumcised. You don't have to be uncircumcised. I really think what Paul is saying is to the, the Jewish believers, like, listen, because the Jewish believers might have been looking like, wow, they have all this freedom. They're free in Christ, and we're under the lost, and we're still doing these things. Maybe we should give up that. And even Paul's saying don't do that either. 
however God called you, you're, you're, you're following the law, then continue. You're, you're Jewish. And I love when I find um, Jewish uh, Messianic congregations that have Gentile believers and Jewish believers together. Um, there's some that I've heard about, uh, and they do such a good job, and, and where the, the pastor, the, in fact, there's one I know specifically of, uh, the Stop and Breaks attendant. It's um, the pastor is Jewish. So a lot of the people in the church are Jewish. They're Christians. They're, they're completed. They found their Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. He's actually married to a Gentile woman. And so, uh, but he follows all the Jewish customs because he's Jewish, but he's saved. But he tells and teaches to the Gentiles, to, to us, you don't have to do all these other things. You're not Jewish. And that's kind of what Paul's saying. Don't, however God called you, just, just remain there. Paul says, however the Lord called you, verse 17, continue to walk that way. Continue to live that way. Don't seek this change. Don't seek circumcision. Don't seek uncircumcision. Don't get a divorce. However God called you, serve God there until God brings you somewhere else. And that's a big message for us today. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever your occupation is, whatever your status in life, serve God in it. You don't have to wait to serve God. You serve God right where you're at. Until, and you keep serving Him. You keep being faithful until if He moves you. And He might. Um, verse 20 says, Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. In verse 21, he begins to talk about bondservants. Where uh, it, it says, Were you a bondservant or a slave when you were called? Don't be concerned about it. If you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. In other words, however you're found by Christ, however you're found, in whatever situation you were, be content. Serve God. Live that way until God leads you to a different place. One of the lessons Paul is really trying to get us to understand, you can serve God, you should serve God in whatever situation you're in at all times, right where you're at. You're not disqualified. You're not disqualified from serving God. If you've come to faith in Christ, if you're in faith, you're not disqualified from serving Him. He just says, serve me. Follow me. Love me. God can use you. That is such an important premise to understand. You're disqualified because of your situation. You're single. Uh, you're, you can't serve God if you're single. You're, you're married. Well, you know, you really can't serve God if you're married. He can use you, and you can serve Him today, right where you're at. You don't have to change your status. You can be rich. You can be poor, single, or married. You can be young. You can be old. You have a lot of failures in your life. You have a lot of successes in your life. Nothing disqualifies you from serving Him, from loving Him. As you understand that, then you can also begin to understand that you don't have to be better in order to serve Him. You don't have to be better in order to start serving Him and serve Him in whatever situation you're in. Sometimes in the church, pastors, and myself included, 
We preach messages that might make you feel that God can't use you for some reason. Maybe the, the message is about like, you know, well, love Him more and, and you know, strive. And, and those things can be true. We can learn to love God more. We can, we can work hard at, at walking away from sin. And you might feel that that means that you're not good enough where you're at. Well, that's not the, that's not the point of the message. And you might feel, well, you know, if, if, if I'm encouraged to get better, that means I really can't do anything until I get better. That's not what the message is. See, they're not mutually exclusive. Serve God right where you're at. Love Him right where you're at. And grow. Do them both. In fact, if you'll allow Him to move in your life and, and love Him and serve Him now, the other things will actually begin to happen for you. One of the things the enemy does, I believe, for us is that, that he puts us in that line that says you're disqualified. You can't do anything for God, so you actually step back from him. You kind of go, yeah, I just really can't do anything. By doing that, you remove yourself uh, even from be hanging out with other people that are serving God. You start doing this thing. You're like, well, I'm really not good enough, so I'm going to let them be over there, and, and I'm just going to uh, hang back. I can't serve God. Well, well you're removing yourself from people who love God and can actually encourage you and inspire you and to challenge you and to pray for you. Don't hold back. Love Him and serve Him right where you're at. So if you've ever heard a message that made you feel that you were uh, disqualified from loving and serving God, now th then I apologize. I'm so sorry. Now, you know, there are qualifications for certain things things in certain offices in the church, that's different. But you can serve God right where you're at. Submit to Him. Just start growing. Just start doing it. Does God want you to grow? Absolutely. If, if one of His children are caught in sin, does He want them to be set free to walk in freedom? Absolutely. To walk away from that sinful lifestyle? Uh-huh. The Bible is so clear that that He's called us to be free, that He set us free. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He wants us to be free. He wants us to, to walk away from those things that are holding us in bondage, walk away from sinful lifestyles. But, but you don't have to wait until you're perfect in order to start serving Him. The sacrifice of Christ was to pay a penalty, to pay the price for our sin. And, and He wants us to receive His sacrifice, and He wants us to walk in holiness. He wants us to live in, in purity, but we have to remember that He's the one who provides the righteousness. He actually, we use a word in the church, He imputes His righteousness to us. That means that, that He has righteousness, He is holy, He is righteous, and He gives you His righteousness. And you go, well, I don't always understand that, and I don't either, but it's it's this idea that says, listen, you and yourself, you don't have what it takes. You know, I could never get in to see the president. I could never go backstage to see a band by myself. You know, I, I could just hang out with them. But if I knew personally, like the band manager, if I knew one of the secret servicemen who could vouch for me, he could get me maybe in to see the president or backstage to the band or in all these places because of the, 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 the connection that I have. It's not about me. It's about that somebody basically gave me a badge and says, you're clear, you're in. And that's, that's 
kind of what God does. He says, it's not that because you've been so good that, that you're holy and that I see you. It's because Jesus is so good and he gave you his righteousness. In fact, the scriptures say that, that our good works, the, the, the best that we can do is so far below the goodness of God. The best that we do, our righteousness, is so far below God's righteousness that it's compared to filthy rags in His sight. It says your righteousness is like filthy rags. And I, want to be, I won't go too deep in that. When you look at that in the, in the Hebrew, the way that was originally written, filthy rags were menstrual rags. And that's why the Bible doesn't say that, because it's kind of gross. Your righteousness are filthy rags compared to His. And what He's, what he's not saying is that you're just, you're so bad. It's like compared. And so He says, I'm going to give you my righteousness. So you have it. First, 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about that if you want to look that up. It says, it says He made Him, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So it's not about becoming better so that God can use me. That's a lie. That's another lie. It's not about being something different so that I can serve God. God wants me, He wants you to serve Him in whatever situation He's called you. You are not disqualified. You do not have to be better to serve Him. And that should be amazing news. That this message needs... If this message isn't for you this morning, you need to remember this message to help others because it is a message that so many people need to hear. So many people, they come to church, they know Christ, but they're struggling and they feel like, I'm just not good enough. I can't serve God. And, and, and the enemy has them right where he wants them. Does that mean you don't have to try? You don't have to grow? No. I, I think our relationship with God isn't dissimilar from uh, our relationship with our spouse, if you're married. Let me explain that. When I met Shannon, I was not as perfect as I am today. <laughs> Poor people who listen online. They're like, wow, that pastor's just conceited. You know. She was not perfect. She is now. She wasn't perfect when I met her, but I actually fell madly in love with her in her imperfect state. So in our marriage and our relationship, we had two imperfect people, but we've both grown. I loved her when I married her. I wasn't perfect. She wasn't perfect. But we entered into this relationship. And because of that, we grew. Today, I try to be the man that she deserves. I've, over the years, I've tried to learn about her tastes, her desires. I've tried to uh, learn about the things that hurt her. I haven't always done a good job, but I've tried to learn about things that hurt her. I've, tr I've tried to do the things that make her feel loved. I try to do the things that make her feel honored. I've tried not to do the things that cause her pain and cause her hurt, cause her discomfort. I try not to do those things, and she does the same things for me. 
imperfect, come into relationship with each other, not perfect, but try to do the things that make her feel loved. Try not to do the things that cause her grief, cause her harm, cause her discomfort. We, we as humans actually do this pretty naturally in, in a relationship, at least to some degree. And at some point, most people do this uh, and I hope you do. I hope you uh, used to, and I hope you continue to do it in your relationships. When we love someone, uh, we don't even have to think about it too much. We just try to be good. Now, sometimes that wears off after the beginning. It should never wear off. But you think back at the beginning of a relationship when your heart's going pitter-patter and you're in that thing, you just, it's really natural and easy just to try to do the things that make somebody feel loved. Don't even have to think about it. To make the object of our affection feel special. And it's not always easy. It's, it's, it's not totally natural, but there's something in us, a desire to, to, to please the person you're with. And I think that's something God put into our hearts. And, and, and I think the enemy comes in, he distorts that, and he causes hurt and trauma and, and breaks a lot of people. And so now they're, they're trying to do that out of a brokenness and, and those things. But there's something in us that do, I believe that just does this kind of naturally. To, when you meet someone, you care for them, you just want to begin to do things. And, and you actually want to change and you want to uh, serve them in a way. We'll, in a few weeks, we'll go into chapter 13 and talk about that godly love, kind of these, these premises, and, and understand what it is and, and how to live. But they, it begins to come, and we need to keep learning about it, don't we? We need to keep working on it. We need to keep understanding. We're supposed, we, we love people, and we love God. We need to serve them both. If, if that's something that we do as people, as humans... Shouldn't we do that with God as well? We, we come into relationship with Him, and we're imperfect. And He says that I have loved you with an everlasting love. I loved you right where you're at. I mean, like, wow. I mean, really? You know, you know, remember when you're first dating? I mean, one of the things that, that we also do, we pose a lot. We really kind of hold some things back because we actually don't want the person to know all of our junk. We, 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 we put our best foot forward and we're kind of hoping, to, you know, I mean, there might have even been some of us who's like, I hope she doesn't find out about this until after we're married. You know, we're hiding some of, the, some of these things. What's amazing is God says, I loved you and I knew all your stuff. And I still want you. And that should make us go, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. So don't think for a moment that you can't serve God because you're not good enough. It's not about how good you are. It's about how much He loves you. And your serving Him is really your response to His love. Your growing is your response to his love. You don't have to do better for him to love you, but something in you should drive you to say, he loved me so much, I want to do the things that make him know that I love him.
as they say in Spanish, me explico? Do I explain myself well? So, yeah, we should keep growing. I do a little bit of marriage counseling and have over the years, and sadly there's, a, there's something I tell a lot of, a lot of couples that um, interesting. When a, when a man and a woman get married, the woman often marries the man thinking that he'll change. They, they marry him, they like him, but there's some things that they go, yeah, but I think he'll probably change, and he doesn't. Men marry women thinking, oh, I love her just the way she is. I hope she never changes, but she does. <laughs> in fact, in, in, in just in general, uh, women uh, kind of almost reinvent themselves about every seven years, statistically. Um, but you can tie those onto the different seasons and stages of life with children, older children, children that have left the home. Women change. And us guys, we're still playing video games at 50. You know, guys don't change as much. That's to our detriment. We should grow. We should, we should learn how to, to get new tastes and, and, and change a little bit. Why? Love our wife. They, they grow and understand us. If we do that in relationships, we should continue to do that with the Lord. He starts a process in us when we get saved. It's a process, though. It's called sanctification. So we, we change, we grow, but remember, it's the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who empowers us to do it all anyways. He empowers us to live a godly life. He empowers us to say no to, to ungodliness. So he, he empowers us to grow. So you don't have to be perfect to be used. You don't have to be perfect to start serving Him and loving Him. But as you do that, yeah, keep growing at the same point, but start today. Another part of the section is that we don't have to change our situation either. We don't have to wait until we're in a different situation um, or even a different place. Serve Him right where you're at. Don't have to wait till things change. Try to learn to be content in whatever situation we're, we're in. Even though slavery was wrong, I mean absolutely wrong, He says, but if you're a slave, just remain there. Now, if you can get out, great. But still, serve him in that situation too. Joseph is a really good example of that. Joseph was in a position he didn't want to be in, he shouldn't have been in, and yet he, he got put into slavery, then he got put into prison, and he served God. And God exalted him, put him as the second leader in all of Egypt. It should really encourage us to say, be faithful right where you're at, start where you're at, don't sit back and say, I just can't, I don't have enough, I don't know enough, I'm not good enough. Lie, just a lie. The enemy wants to keep us there. I, I want to hit that one just one, I'm going to just say that one again. You don't have to wait till you know more either. I said it, and then wanted to fly by. People like, I don't know enough to talk to somebody about Jesus. If you're saved, you know enough to help somebody else get saved. What did you do? Well, I fill in the blank. I realized I was a sinner and that I wasn't good enough to get to heaven on my own. Whatever it is your story is, whatever it is the Bible, somebody came up to you and made you realize, like, well, that, this is truth, and you said, I, I need Jesus in my life, share that. 
You don't need to know more to, for God to start using. You don't need to know more in order to uh, serve Him. Serve Him right where you're at until He brings you to something else. Remain in the position in which you were called. As he goes on in this section, um, yeah, I, I do want to say if, you know, he's saying if you're unmarried, stay that way if you can. Paul believes, you know, Paul was, had an opinion and he was saying, I think you'll be better off if you remain single and serve God. I actually believe that most people serve God better married, especially young people. You know, it's, it's because of, of the world and because of those passions and desires. And if you're wondering if you've been called to be single or not, some people are there like, man, God, have you, call, have you called me to be single? I think it's a really simple litmus test on that. If, if you sit around a lot of time wishing you were married, wishing you had somebody, if you sit around all the time struggling with, with impure thoughts and lust, God did not give you the gift to remain single. He's, he's going to gift you. He's going to give you the ability to, to remain single. There's some people, they just have it. And if that's not yours, you just keep praying and keep, keep looking, and we're going to get a little bit into some of these things real quick. So you go, well, so how do I know the will of God uh, for my life? As we, as we went in here, I said, we're talking a little bit about the will of God. And, and uh, the first part is, you know, the first part of the God's will is stay right where you're at. It's okay. Live, serve God where you're at until He brings you to something else. Just do it. Just serve Him. Um, but how do we know what's His will for us? Well, first of all, there's a lot of things in the Bible that, that, that just say this is what His will is for us. Um, that's the very first thing we're going, is this the will of God for my life? There's a lot that's clearly written, but this part is going to give us a couple quick things, and I'll, I'll fly over them just real quick um, to help us know maybe how to, to, to um, know what the will of God is for us. First, is, is it written? Well, the Bible says, should, if, you got, if you're driving down the road and the guy cuts you off and you get to the stoplight and you want to jump out and go choke him, um, you, well, is that God's will for me? Well, the Bible says, do not murder, so no, that's not what he wants you to do under no circumstances. Right? I know I'm being silly, but, you know, it's simple. Should I, should I murder somebody? No, shouldn't murder somebody. Should I gossip? No, shouldn't gossip. Should I get drunk? No, shouldn't get drunk. Bible says don't get drunk. Okay, should I, uh, should I forgive this person? Some people pray about that. Should I forgive them? Don't even need to pray about it. Yep, you need to forgive. What that looks like is different, but you need to forgive. You work through that. That doesn't mean you need to get back into a place physically where you might be getting hurt or abused. Forgiveness is different. Come talk to me about that another time. So the Bible says these things. What about the things that aren't clear? Like, should I move to New York? Should I move to Florida? Uh, you know, should I marry Julie or Jennifer? When should I marry, if it's Julie, when should I marry Julie? When, we have these questions that the Bible doesn't tell us these things, and so how do we know what the will of God is? How do we know uh, when it's time to move on, when He's, when he's doing something? Well, I'm going to give just a couple of things. Um, you can write these down, so I'm going to fly really quick on some of these. Um, how do you know what the will of God is for your life? As, as we're reading this, it talks about, I don't know if you saw this, this part where when we read through it says, it talked about because of the perilous times, I don't think you should maybe get married. 
That's kind of what he's saying. He says, well, what did that mean? Well, at the time, there was a lot of stuff going on, and he was saying, if you cannot be married, it might be better not to be married right now because the times are, are bad. One of the things to know what God's will is, 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 is it timing? It might be his will for you to do something, but the timing might be off. You ever had experience like that? You, you might have even heard his voice say, you're going to move. And you're like, okay, great. Is it now? And he's like, no, not now, for different reasons. So looking at the timing of, of, of something is, is so important. You need to look. Is it a perilous time? Um, let's, say, let's say about a, a, a year ago, um, you got all, all this money and, and you went, you know, should I invest in the stock market? Um, the time would have says, no, no, not right now. Don't put all that money in the stock market right now because you're going to lose it if you do, right? It's a simple thing. God is simple sometimes with us. Is it the right timing? Well, I really want to get married. You're still in high school. It's not a good time. You know, and that's where wisdom sometimes comes in. Hey, is, is this timing? Praying, whether it's timing. Um, it might be his will, but maybe it's not for today. Uh, people, there's uh, prophetic words. Sometimes people come up and, and they might give you a word that says, I, I believe that you're supposed to go and, and do this. Here's what I think when you get a word like that from somebody. Is some people say, just don't listen to it. Absolutely. No, no. Here's what I say, though. Treat it like, you know, I kind of put this, wow, that's great. I'm going to put this right over here on a shelf. I'm going to remember that, but I'm not going to act on it. See, if God wants it to come to pass, he's going to bring some more words about it, and it's going to confirm. God's going to confirm it. There's a timing for it. And if it doesn't confirm then we, we wait, and, and there could be a timing on that word. I'm still waiting. I, I had a number of words over my life that I was going to be on a big stage uh, in front of, like, thousands of people. And I, you know, I had a, strangers, people, they just saw, I'm like, okay, it hasn't happened yet, but maybe someday it will. Maybe the opportunity will come, and I'll say I need to take that opportunity because it's, it's going to be. So timing is a lot. There's a difference between his will and timing. Might be his will, the timing's bad. So... Play around with that. Is this a good timing to it? Number two, uh, be aware of the problems that go along with it. Uh, he was talking about the, the perils and the problems. You need to be aware that there are problems um, that go along with a decision. If you think that changing your situation, your job or your, uh, your occupation or your, where you live, if you think that's going to fix everything, right there is a problem. Any decision you make comes with problems. So much that, that Paul says in here, he says, if you marry, you'll have problems. It's a wonderful promise in the Bible. Those who marry will have various kinds of problems in this world. Now, when you're, you're young and single, and you think, man, when I get married, it's going to solve all my problems. And if you've been married for more than a week, you know that was a lie. <laughs> I mean, really, okay, I'm just joking. But if you've, if you've been married for more than like uh, three years, you know, romantic love lasts about five years, about five years. It's one of the reasons I think that you shouldn't, you know, date in, in too, too, too long because all of a sudden you, you fall out of love with this person and somebody who might be an amazing match for you, you, you've dated so long that you fell out of love and then you just try the process again and you fall back into love and you fall back out of love and you, you really can miss a great match and a partnership because you think it's always about love and the feelings. It goes away. Anyone's been in a relationship for more than five years says, amen. It changes. 
but it's, it's a great love. It's a deeper love. It's different. So, so you need to be aware of problems. Whenever you make a decision, uh, that decision is going to come with problems. And you got to be thinking about the problems you have now and the problems that are going to come. And, and God gives us wisdom and God gives us uh, the ability to hold these things out and say, listen, you're going to step from this problem, but there are going to be other problems. When we lived in Guatemala, I wrote a newsletter. I always think of this one. Um, it was gorgeous. I would send back pictures from Guatemala to people, and they'd say, oh, my gosh, it's so pretty in Guatemala. And, and one, one of the newsletters I wrote back, I'm like, I have to tell you, guys, that the grass really is greener here. The grass really is greener here. But it rains for three months straight in order to get green. Every day, hours and hours, water flowing down the streets constantly during the rainy season. The grass might be greener, but it needs to rain a lot to get it. There's some joke about in there about if the grass is greener, it takes some fertilizer too. Think about the timing. Be aware of some problems. Um, think about life's goal. What is life's goal? What is, God, what is the goal for your life? What is God's goal for you? Is this God's will for me? What's his, what's his goal for your life? Is it to make money? Is it to just be happy? You've got to be considering things. What is God's goal for me, specifically and in general? Number four, just a couple things, and then we're going to close. When you're thinking of whether a decision is, is uh, whether it's not God's will for you to do it, um, timing, be aware of the problems, be, aware, be thinking about, is this God's overall, His ultimate goal for me? What is that? Does this help facilitate that? Um, in this decision, how can I better serve Him? Are you going to be able to serve Him better by doing this or worse? Is it going to help you serve Him better? Be more available, just serve Him better. Um, that, that's, it's a little subjective, but, but you need to be considering that. Hey, is this God's will for me? We're gonna, one of the things we're gonna already finding out is that there are some things like, God, which pair of jammies do you want me to wear? This doesn't work. He doesn't really care. But how can I serve him better in this? Can I serve him better in this. Number one, another one is be aware of what's influencing you when you're making your decisions. Be aware of the things that are influencing you. People, um, outside influences, for instance, say, yeah, I really want this job. It looks like, you know, it's something I, I could do, but there's another company that, that um, is, is a little different job, but the office is amazing with a great view. And the salary is a little bit better. It's not what I like to do as much, but the office and the salary, and we start being influenced by things like that, the money. You stay connected to. We want to stay connected to the thing God is calling to you, God is putting you in. Be aware of the things that are influencing you, and also then be aware of of some of your own compulsions. And uh, you got to know yourself. Know yourself well. And uh, that's where I believe that you should be in relationship. We should be in relationship with other people and run these uh, decisions by other people because they might know you like, hey, I was really thinking about buying another car. And you're like, yeah, that's the fifth one in two years. I think you've just got a compulsion. Ha the rest of them have all gone bad, haven't they? Well, yeah, but I just really want a new you know, car. 
Sadly, I've, I've talked to people like that with a new wife. I just really think about getting a new wife. Yeah, that's your fifth one in two years. <laughs> Be aware of your compulsions. You have them. I've got them. Be aware of yourself and, and how you lean. And, and other people get to come in in those moments and say, hey, listen, I know you. I'm talking a godly person. I, I know you, and I think that you're leaning this way because of this. I've, I, there's a pattern. I see a pattern in you. You know, every so often you do this, about every six to eight months. Let's find out why it's about every six to eight months. What, what goes on? Why, does it, why do you keep doing this? I didn't even recognize that. Be aware of your compulsions. Be aware. And, and if we do that as, as we're saying, Lord, help me to know uh, what your will is, you go, is it the right time? Uh, what are the problems I'm going to have on both sides? Uh, God, what's your goal for me? Is this going to fit into the, my, the goal that you have? My life goal should be as a believer to honor him, to bring him glory. And no matter where I'm at, that, that I can live a life that would be glorifying to him and not so much glorifying to myself. Uh, in this decision, can I serve you better? Uh, or is it going to be harder? Is it going to be worse? And that also sometimes takes some people around you to go, listen, it, it might be difficult, but you might be able to really serve him well. But it's a good thing to consider. Be aware of the things that are influencing you, people, um, desires, and be aware of your compulsions. Those things go together. So, so that's kind of 1 Corinthians 7. Um, it, at the end, this, this, is, this is it. Live as you're called. Be faithful. Serve him until he moves you somewhere else. And when you're looking into his will, Here's some ways to, to, to follow his will. Stay faithful to him. Amen. There's a few things I, I overwent, so you're going to have to look up some commentaries, some good stuff in there. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, I thank you for this morning and uh, the time in the word, Lord. I think it's encouraging to me. Um, helps me keep me focused. Lord, I pray the same thing for everyone here this morning, that uh, we would look at our lives and know that we can serve you where we're at. And as we venture into new things, as you lead us to new things, or as we, f we question whether you're leading us to new things, we thank you that your word helps us um, figure out some of the, these details and whether or not uh, to know. What are the problems? Is it, is it a perilous time? Should I, should I wait because of that? Help us to serve you in everything we are, starting right where we're at. And always continue on. Let, let serving you be the priority of our lives. That as we sang in worship today, that we might um, be able to pour out what you've done in us uh, to others and, and fill them up too, Lord. We thank you. Keep us safe as we go home on these icy roads. And in Jesus' name, amen.